Monty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty Podcast. My name is Nate, and Charlie isn't here. Charlie isn't here right now, all right? If this is your first time listening, then I recommend you go back and listen to some of the other episodes for just a few seconds, and so you can hear what it's like for two people to be here, because right now, it's just one, and I'm not used to it. We're going to make it a quick show. I'm only going to talk about a couple stories here today, a couple stories I thought were pretty important that we should mention and could have could have just gone and not done an episode today but uh, i thought maybe i thought maybe we should go ahead and talk about this so let's just go ahead let's go here we go you guys ready all right so the police officer charged with murder in the shooting of a black man at a gas station from nbc news a texas police officer who fatally shot a man has been arrested and charged with murder authorities said monday night the officer, Sean Lucas, of the Wolf City Police Department, did not take reasonable action in the encounter that killed Jonathan Price, 31. The Texas Ranger said in a statement, Lucas's bomb was set at $1 million. Jail records show. Price's family has said he had intervened Saturday night. Price is the guy who was killed by the police officer, said he had intervened Saturday night in a fight between a man and a woman at a gas station before the shooting. Lucas responded to a disturbance call about a possible fight at 8.24 p.m., according to the statement. Lucas attempted to detain Price, who resisted in a non-threatening posture and began walking away, the statement said. Lucas, 22, the police officer, used a stun gun before shooting Price. The Texas Ranger said Price was taken to a hospital where he died. The actions of Officer Lucas were not objectionably reasonable, the Texas Ranger said. He was arrested, booked into the Hunt County Jail, and charged with murder. An attorney for Price's family, Lee Merritt, has said that the incident began when Price noticed a man assaulting a woman at a quick check gas station. When police arrived, I'm told he raised his hands and attempted to explain what was going on, Merritt said Sunday. Police fired tasers at him, and when his body convulsed from the electrical current, they perceived the threat and shot him to death. This is a a bad story with a so far good and justful ending. You know, we, we've been hearing all year, obviously, about how black people are just being killed in the street. So this is a black person being killed by a police officer who has now immediately been arrested and charged with murder. And of course, as you look through the city, you just see proud boys and, and white supremacists and far right wingers and MAGA hat wearing folks out there protesting and burning things down because they're so angry that this police officer has been charged with murder, right? Nope. No, everyone's uh, pretty clear on the fact the guy was killed for no reason, and now the police officer is being charged with murder. You see a little bit of a difference here, one, in the reaction from two different sides, even though, of course, if the right side were so ingrained and entrenched in their white supremacy and love for the for the for the blue stripes that 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 they were so upset about this, well, they'd probably be out there protesting, but you can clearly just look at the police report and see, well, the police officer did not act in accordance with the law and killed someone when there was no threat to him whatsoever. Seems pretty open and shut. I'm sure the lawyers will not make it open and shut. But as far as a case goes, pretty, pretty easy. That's a good thing. Right? That's a that's a really good thing. So I just wanted to pinpoint that hey, it's it's not always possible that that uh 
the police officers just go out there and kill people and no one does anything about it. You see, there's a little bit of a difference. It's the second thing that when it is a clear mistake for the police officer, when he kills someone and there was absolutely no perception of threat whatsoever, it's a little bit easier for him to go ahead and get arrested and charge a murder. When there is a question as to whether or not he acted within his duties, well, it's a little bit more difficult. And unfortunately, things like things like qualified immunity and all that stuff and the fact that it is the government finding the government wrongful of something, well, you're going to be a little bit less likelihood that anyone's going to get in trouble. So uh, anyway, just wanted to pinpoint that this is a good thing out of a very terrible situation. Hopefully the guy is prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law when it comes down to murdering people. Although we don't support the death penalty here, so I don't know if they got that down there in Texas. Texas seems like a place that would have it. I would not support that because I don't think the government should kill people because people shouldn't kill people and the government doesn't have rights that other people don't have. So anyway, let's run through the next one here. The White House is defending President Trump, saying he's projecting an image of strength amid the battle with coronavirus. So if you've been watching, uh, well, if you've been watching Twitter, which is just, you know, it's a terrible thing to do these days, honestly. But what you've been seeing are people freaking out about the fact that Trump went to the hospital. Now, he did his little victory lap around the hospital before he was released, and we talked about that yesterday. We weren't super excited about that. Now, from what we can tell, the Secret Service agent was wearing an N95 mask and goggles and all that kind of stuff. So, plus, it's kind of his job. If someone literally is firing a gun at the president, he's supposed to step in front of the president and take the bullet. So, I mean, you're not you're putting the president's life above your own all the time. But anyway, probably not a great idea just to go get inside of a vehicle that is safe from a chemical attack, meaning there ain't no air getting in and out of that place. Okay, probably not a great idea to take your virus infected frail old body inside of there and uh, potentially infect someone else. But anyway, they let him out of the hospital, discharged him from the hospital. Everyone's freaking out about this. They're freaking out about that. And then secondly, they were freaking out about, I don't know if you guys saw him, he, he took his mask off for a photo op, took his mask off. Now, of course, this is being portrayed as this crazy, insane, terrible, vicious, violent president taking his mask off in a show of defiance. The guy was standing upstairs off of a balcony with a bunch of people taking pictures of him with no one around him whatsoever. And he took his mask off for the photos. Okay. It's it's not that big of a deal. And then secondly, being discharged from the hospital. <clears throat> um, the only reason he was ever in the hospital is because he's the president. That's, that's really the only reason why. You don't just get to go stay in the hospital because you were infected with SARS-CoV-2. That's, that's not really what happens. Now, if your oxygen levels are consistently staying too low, there's a reason they would go in there and put you on oxygen. But more than likely, it's because the guy is the most powerful person in the whole world, and they want to be extra careful and make sure that everything is good to go with him. And everyone's freaking out because he's been let out of the hospital. Oh my gosh, he's going back home after being, after being told that he's got COVID. Man, listen, if you're not in bad enough health that the hospital needs to keep you hospitalized, where do you think you go? Where, where do you go? We got quarantine centers set up everywhere where we're sending people, like in the movies. No, you, you go back home. 
president happens to live at the White House. That is his house. That's where he lives. And so him going back home, not exactly crazy. There's like this idea where <clears throat> um, this idea now, apparently right now, where if you've been infected, infected with the virus of SARS-CoV-2, that that means you are bedridden in a hospital, chained to your bed <clears throat> with a with a plastic thing around you and people are coming in and out wearing their gigantic hazmat suits. You know, the ones inevitably in the movies where someone accidentally rips it and then they end up getting infected regardless. Those kind of suits, like that's not exactly what's happening here. And not to mention, if you're not sick enough to be in the hospital, you don't have to be hospitalized. All right? That ain't something that's got to happen. You don't have to be in there. They check your vitals, make sure everything's good. You know, scan your cat, make sure you're looking okay. They, they'll let you go. You can go home. If you get sick, guess what? He's just one helicopter jump away from the hospital. No problem. Not to mention, there's probably a <clears throat> medical suite inside of the White House that we're not, you know, privy to that information. There's probably a medical suite inside the White House nicer than most of the hospitals we've been to anyway. So that's pure speculation there. But I can't imagine the White House not having a small medical facility in it that can perform a lot of the tasks of, I don't know, checking your oxygen levels, maybe having an oxygen tank, make sure that your oxygen levels stay up high. Okay. Anyway, <clears throat> so everyone's going crazy about this. And then some other people going crazy about the fact that they said they put them on steroids, literally. Um, bringing up the 25th Amendment. Well, the president's on steroids. They need to uh, they need to go ahead and exercise the 25th Amendment and make Mike Pence the president. Come on, guys. That's insane. That's There's no way to measure whether or not he is having more violent mood swings than he probably already has. I think that that's a little bit ridiculous. I don't think it's meant for if you're on a medication that can have a side effect of having mood swings, which steroids definitely will have. I don't think that's really what it is. I think it's if there is something literally wrong with you to the point that you cannot discharge the duties of your office. You know, I, th I think that that's maybe more of the point of the 25th Amendment. You're going down a real big slippery slope that people do not want to go down. If you're going to set the precedent for the president, uh -huh, that if they are potentially prone to mood swings, <clears throat> that they uh, can be relieved of their duties. I don't think anyone really wants to go down that slope. And how are you going to measure that anyway? How are you actually going to measure it? You're going to have like a presidential mood swing scale where you measure the person's mood swings, see how they're doing. Maybe we just don't give the president so much freaking power to where you're worried about if he's taking the wrong medication for two weeks, he might blow up the whole world. Maybe that is something that we could do. I don't know. I don't know. I don't even read the article. We don't need to read the article. <clears throat> the other thing, I've only got a couple more things I want to talk about here because I really don't plan on doing a long episode here. So this tweet on Twitter, which is where tweets come from, it's where tweets are born. Talking about how Don Lemon is out there saying what a lot of people have been saying for weeks. If you knowingly infect someone with HIV, you're charged with a crime. 
not so much anymore. Why not with COVID and these fools? Now, what they're alluding to is that if Trump or any member of the staff knowingly went around after they knew that they had been infected with COVID and they went around other people, should they be charged? Now, first off, conflating that with HIV is a little bit nuts too. By the way, <clears throat> if you have not listened to this podcast before, this is not a defend Donald Trump podcast. This is a defend truth against people who consistently are saying insane things all the time. That's kind of podcast. And if that means we spend a lot of time defending Donald Trump, then that's what it means. Okay. That's just, that's what that means. I don't think either Charlie or I are going to be voting for Trump. But you can't let this stuff slide. Because whatever you let slide coming from the media right now, and it's complete lunacy, would be used against your perfect libertarian presidential candidate also. And if you weren't talking about how the media were being a bunch of insane a-holes in 2020, then you're not going to have a principled leg to stand on in 2132 when they are doing this to the libertarian president. Okay? So just defend truthful things and don't worry about what the political party is. If the Republicans are doing something insane, then let's talk about it. We just talked about the fact that uh, six Republicans had signed over to vote to block Obamacare from going to the Supreme Court. Don't like that. I don't think they, they still don't have enough votes to block it, but that's not a good thing. So we talked about that. Simple fact is the people on the left are giving us way more content right now. Way more content. So anyway, the idea here is if you knowingly infect someone with HIV, you're charged with a crime. So why not, if you've been infected with COVID or SARS-CoV-2, because you don't get infected with COVID because COVID is a disease and SARS-CoV-2 is the virus that you get infected with that eventually leads to, can lead to COVID-19. Anyway, that's another episode. What happens if you knowingly infect someone with that? First off, it'd be a little bit more difficult to knowingly infect someone with that. Going in public, I don't think could be used as the same thing as knowingly infecting someone when talking about HIV. Because there are specific ways that HIV is spread. And there has to be an overt physical action taken. They can lead to the spreading of that. A couple different ones. So, first off, that's a, it's a little bit different. You can go out in public and be around a bunch of other people and not be spreading it to other people. But you could not be doing... I mean, you could. It would just be a, a bit of a lottery play there. You, you would not be able to do the things that lead to spreading HIV without... Uh, spreading HIV and it being a uh, specific physical action that you were taking, whether it is some of the crazy things that people have done before, like purposefully sticking themselves with needles and then putting them in chairs 
in movie theaters and stuff like that, which, by the way, is something that has happened. Um, whether it's knowing that you're infected and then going and having unprotected sex with people, that's a little bit different than simply going into public somewhere when you're infected with SARS-CoV-2. It's a little bit different. Now, maybe if you take your mask off and you walk up to someone and you cough into their face repeatedly, maybe we can have that conversation. In fact, we have had that conversation. Get up, get up in the way back when machine and go back and listen when we talked about this. Is you know that you're infected with SARS-CoV-2 and you go out in the public and you, you don't have a mask on, which just protects you from other, just protects other people from you. You don't have a mask on and you know you're infected. Are you violating the non-aggression principle? I, I don't know. I think that there is a conversation to be had about that. Now, should there be any criminal proceedings? No, because uh, you would not be able to prove that that specific strain of that virus right then, that those specific little viral whatevers, the scientific term for it, that those came from that person. I do not think you'd be able to pr prove that. In a court of law, you would be it would be difficult to prove whether or not someone knowingly did it, whether or not they purposefully did it. And so there's it's a little bit different. Not to mention the fact, and this was my first thing to say back to the person. At the time that they made some of the laws, I think a little over 30 states have laws about purposefully transmitting HIV. At the time they were making these laws, you realize the the mortality rate for AIDS was really high, really high. Like it was a lot. As far as a lot goes, they were in the same ballpark right there. Let me actually pull up some of those numbers. I tweeted it back to the person. Give me a second here. So the two, four, and six-year survival rates for AIDS were 48%, 26%, and 18% at the time that those laws were created. The survival rate for SARS-CoV-2 is roughly 99%. So these are not easily conflatable whatsoever. People are getting a little crazy over here. People are getting crazy. We're coming up on the election. We're just going to keep getting crazier and crazier. All right, the one last thing that I wanted to talk about is this article I saw from Politico. It's talking once again about the market and how all the wealthy are making all the money. They're reaping all the gains. So the market soars and the wealthy reap the gains. From Politico here, President Donald Trump regularly promotes the soaring stock market as a barometer of the economy's health, tweeting again on Monday that it's a key reason he should be reelected. But investors aren't sharing the wealth. These are publicly traded companies, by the way. There's no one. I've literally bought shares in eight different companies today. The, there's no... Investors don't need to be sharing the wealth. Get in on the freaking market yourself. Okay, we'll talk about that here in a little bit. The reality is that the wealthiest that you know before I keep before I get going, that already right there you have that mentality that other people are supposed to invest in these companies and risk their money, and if everything goes well, then they're supposed to share the wealth with you. What if it doesn't go well? Does anyone want to talk about that? Are they going to be able to come to you for some money? No. So you've already got this idea that you want to share in the benefits, you want to share in the rewards, you want to share in the gains, but no one wants to share in the losses. 
now that a bunch of people were smart and they put a bunch of money into the market, when the market fell 38% or whatever it was, and they've made a really big gain off of it, people are like, hey, where are my gains? Well, you're getting the gains that you invested in. Might be nothing. That's your choice. Okay, the reality is that the wealthiest 1% of Americans own 50% of the value of stocks held by individual households. And the top 10% control 88%. They don't control, no one's controlling. These are publicly traded stocks, okay? There are a lot of shares available to buy right now. Tons of them. Even in the ones where people are holding massive portions. I can get on here right now. I'm literally typing in Apple right there. I'm going to tell you how many shares are going through. This I won't even be able to catch it. There's going to be so many. And any one of you can be doing this. I'm going to have to only pay attention to the times that it's over 500. Let's see, 900, 1,000, 1,000, 900, 500. I got a whole bunch of 100s, 200s. Someone just bought one share right there. Could have been you. 300, 200, 1,000, 1,000, 1,000, 1,000, 1,000, 290, 700. I'm, I'm missing some every single time between here because it's the time in sales is rolling so fast that I can't say all the numbers to you. Guys, no one's controlling any of these stocks. No one's controlling the shares and you can't get in them. They're all available right there. There's probably been how many shares were traded since we started this episode right here. What are we 15 minutes in? Let me look at the volume in the last 15 minutes just on Apple. 3,286,900 and not 300, 3,305,300, 3,319,408 shares have been traded since we started this podcast. How, how is anyone getting away with making the argument that somehow people are holding these investments away from other people? And that only the wealthy who are controlling all of these stocks are able to make the money. It's insane. Also, 3,391,123. You guys get the idea. Previous five minutes, 4.5 million shares were traded. Sorry, 15 minutes. Previous 15 minutes before that, 9.8 million shares were traded before that. 15 minutes before that, 15.1 million shares were traded. Guys, there's no one stopping you from doing this, okay? You can't sit here and wait for other people to take a risk and then be mad when they reap a reward from that risk. It's it's nuts. Charlie is generally a, a lot riskier than I am. And Charlie makes more money than I do. Charlie also, uh, because of those things, has been able to make much larger gains in the market over the past few weeks than I have. Just a few days ago, I know he was up a couple thousand on one trade. Was I going to sit there and be mad about whether or not he was going to give some of that to me? No. No, I'm not. Because I didn't take the risk. Because you know what that risk entails? While I was on the phone with Charlie for five minutes earlier, he lost over $1,000. Still up. But it was a big loss. And guess what? I wasn't taking that risk. And I know you weren't taking the risk on that damn thing. 
So when people take the risk, they get the reward. All right. Quote, wealth opens up opportunities. Wealth gives security, said Claudia Sam, a former Fed economist who specialized in income inequality issues. If the recovery is very slow for a number of households, you're denying them those opportunities, she said, adding that it will grind on them for decades. Gross. The growing wealth disparity may explain Trump's struggle to win working class voters in crucial background, battleground states such as Pennsylvania and Michigan who helped push him over the top in the 2016 presidential race. But it also has deep implications for government policy. The Fed itself has taken aggressive emergency action during the coronavirus crisis, backstopping sputtering debt markets and pumping trillions into the economy. But those policies are squarely aimed at making it easier for companies to borrow money to keep doing business so they boost stock prices far more than ordinary incomes. As a result, the central bank itself has drawn criticism for inadvertently stoking wealth inequality. Now, you can complain about that, or you can say, then we complain about it because the Fed's got terrible policy. You can complain about that and say the Fed is pumping money into the stock market. They're propping up these companies, and they're, they're propping up these companies that are riddled with debt, and their stock prices just keep going up, and I'm mad about it. Or you could say, hey, the Fed's propping up these companies and their stock prices just keep going up. Somebody get me on my trading app right now. You got a couple options there. You could say that. I suggest you guys say that. Oh, it doesn't mean you should always have the idea that it's going to go up forever. I recommend that you actually consider taking a trading course so you can learn how to read the markets yourself. Or follow along with people who know how to read the markets. Actually, I got a great recommendation for you guys. Go to mastermystonks.com. We got over 200 videos on there teaching everything from how to use your charting platform, how to read price charts, how to know what support and resistance are, what kind of trend we're in, using all kinds of different strategies. If you've never done anything in the market before, then go to mastermystonks.com. Plenty of resources in there. So instead of complaining about people who are making money, you can actually... Get in there and make some for yourself. I just thought we had a massive crash. I mean, as far as an intraday crash during the day, about an hour ago. So I was on the phone with Charlie. And I saw that Apple came down into a really big support level. And uh, so I bought some options on Apple. And I made a quick 20% on the options and got out. Boom, plus 20% on the trade. I think I was in it for about five minutes. All right. That's just little stuff like that. And it doesn't take a ton of money because options do not require you to have a lot of money up front. Anyway, go to mastermysongs.com. So let's go back through. Among the bottom half of earners, only one third are invested in equities compared to more than 90% of families at the top 10% in income. What a stupid comparison. Yeah. If you're not making enough money to pay your house payment, you're probably not throwing a bunch of money into the market. Now, you should be saving some money. You should be getting with some kind of a company. Get on some kind of an app. Good Lord, buy a share of the SPY, which is a mini version of the S&P 500, and buy a share of the SPY every six months for the rest of your life and in in 20 years, you're going to have over a million dollars in the account. I have back-tested that idea all the way back to the year before the Great Depression so I could take the strategy through the Great Depression. It works. 
It's better than freaking Social Security. Way better. Share the SPY is $333 right now. Okay, just do that. Quit complaining and figure out how to do something. And it says, and while stock ownership overall increased slightly in the second quarter, working age families' participation in retirement plans also ticked down. Uh, do you think that's because a ton of people lost their jobs that were connected to their retirement plans? Good Lord, what a stupid article. Conservatives stress that fully half of Americans benefit when the stock market goes up, arguing that the rise in the Dow Jones Industrial Average still represents increased life savings for millions of people. That is true, because half the country is invested in the market in some kind of a way. 401ks, mutual funds, your pensions, any kind of stuff like that, people are invested in the market. So you should want the market to go up. We should want it to go up rationally. Quote, that is how the Democrats think. You make 1000 but you're not happy because Bill Gates, who saved more money than you, has gone up by $1 million, said Grover Norquist, president of the Americans for Tax Reform. Nobody thinks like that. Well, a lot of people think like that. Norquist, a longtime crusader for lower taxes and smaller government, said the focus instead should be on making it easier for people to invest in equities, such as through, in, through health savings accounts, uh, 529 college saving plans, or 401k for gig workers like Uber drivers. Yeah, how about do any savings account and investment account that you want pre-tax money, don't carve out your little freaking special interest for this or that thing. If you want to start an investment account, make all of it tax-free and allow everyone to do it for whatever reason, regardless of what college they're going to, what gig economy they're in, no matter what it is, whether it's a health savings account, anything. The reason I mention the health savings account is because that is pre-tax money. We should all be able to invest anything we want with pre-tax money because all of our money should be pre-tax money. The issue briefly flared up during last week's presidential debate when Trump and Democratic presidential nominee with Trump and Biden, Biden accused Trump of using the stock market as a prime measure of his response to the pandemic rather than paying attention to the bleak health situation and the economic struggles of so many Americans. Trump said when the stock market goes up, it means jobs. Trump responded, it also means 401ks. It's mostly true. Mostly. It's good for 401ks. It might not necessarily be good long-term for 401ks, uh, you know, at the moment when you see the market take a 60% rebound or whatever it did, 70% rebound off the bottoms like it did coming from March. It doesn't mean that's great for long-term 401ks because we could still be heading off of a cliff and that was just the your final grasp before you got o got, got over it or went over it. It doesn't always necessarily mean jobs because if it is a bunch of fake money being poured into people's stocks, um, you don't know necessarily whether or not they're going to use that money to create more jobs or if they're going to sit on it. You don't know. You don't know for sure. But we'll uh, we'll give them a partial Pinocchio on that one. No, not really. Just a small, just a hint. We'll tell him that it made us think about going and watching the movie Pinocchio, but he doesn't actually get a Pinocchio on it. Still, the benefit of those gains is not unequally shared among income groups, but also across races. So remember, the stock market is racist. 89% of the value of stock owned by American households was held by evil white families. I added in that evil part. It's not in the political article. That would be fake news. 
compared with 1.2% held by black families and just 0.5% held by Hispanic families, according to quarterly Fed data, or data, whatever you want to say. More than half of white families have equities, while only 34% of black families and 24% of Hispanic families own stock, according to the Fed survey conducted every three years. It's, I mean, th this is a purely economic situation. This is a purely economic problem, just like we've been talking about. I think everyone knows that. Why would it be the case that more than half of white families have some kind of stocks, while only 34% of black families have some kind of stocks? There's, there's an economic difference here. It's not because they're black they can't get in the market. It's because statistically the the different racial groups are, have some different economic outcomes right now. And the government's very sorry about that. When the stock market goes up, that exacerbates wealth inequality for blacks and for Hispanics because they don't own stocks. Okay, it exacerbates wealth inequality. So find a way to get in the market, first off. It exacerbates wealth inequality. It doesn't have to be a bad thing, by the way. Wealth inequality does not have to be this massively terrible thing that we can't get out from other. If someone else makes money off of something that has little to no bearing on you, by the way, it's good for them. Doesn't mean anything for you. It means you're just here right here. You're the only reason you feel bad about it is because you didn't get any. You feel like your wealth went down in some kind of a way. It didn't. It didn't go down. It's, it's just you comparing. You're trying to keep up with the keep up with the Jerry Joneses over here. Okay, it's just, that's why you would feel like it's bad when other people increase their wealth, because it makes you feel like yours decreased. When in fact it didn't. There's just one up faster. Doesn't mean anything bad for you. A good chunk, like 45 percent of white men own stock. Evil, evil white men owning stock. That's the problem. He said, when Trump talks about the stock market, he's talking to them. He's talking to his base. There's nothing blocking anyone from getting in the market. Get on, a, open up a Robinhood app. Get, get on Robinhood and put $25 in it. And if you think the market's going to crash, then go to, this is not investment advice, go to SPXS, which is the short on the market, if you think the market's going to crash leading up to the election, then go to SPXS, click on trade options, take your $25, and buy three SPXS options for mid-November. You're going to be able to buy those with your $25, and you might end up making like 500% on it by mid-November. And then take that and keep making Smart moves over and over again. You can literally start investing. Even on Robinhood, I think they do partial shares. There's no one stopping anyone from getting in the market. It just ain't happening, man. By the way, I wonder if they count people who buy partial shares as people who own stock, or if that actually is still counted as Robinhood owning stock because it's Robinhood who owns the stock and you're buying the portions of it or you're grouping together with a bunch of other people. I wonder if that gets counted because in that case, people who are lower income levels who are buying partial stocks might actually own and have money in the market, but not be counted as people who own stocks. Yeah, something to think about. As the months pass, if there's no follow-up on that, if there isn't additional support and there isn't a job for some of those people who are from industries where it's going to be very hard to find new work, they will start to show up in economic activity. 
The Fed chief has rejected the notion that the central bank's actions have widened income inequality. They don't like that. They don't like it when you talk about that. Uh, at the end of it, it says, inequality kills our economy. It makes our economy too fragile. As long as we can keep employment at a very high level, then you can get away with it. But the moment you cut off jobs in the way that we have now, the economy will collapse. Well, number one, don't cut off the jobs in the way that we have now. Okay. So remember way back when, a sentence ago, when you said, as long as you keep employment at a very high level, you can get away with it. But if you start forcing people to not work and start destroying a bunch of businesses through government fiat, then it starts to become a problem. And even then, it's not a massive problem because the fact that other people are making money has no bearing on you. Okay? It doesn't have any bearing on you. Maybe it'll manipulate or affect some prices in some kind of way. But not that much because those people, what are they selling stuff? They still need to be able to sell stuff. And if everyone else has lost their jobs and those people still need to be able to sell stuff, they're still going to have to keep prices low enough that it, someone can afford to buy the, the stuff that they've got. All right, so it's not going to have that much bearing on you. Maybe we just shouldn't kill the economy by forcing people to not be productive. Maybe we could do that. But this idea that inequality kills our economy, there's no, I've, I see no evidence for that. If you guys see evidence for that, then send that to me. Nate, at goodmorningliberty.us, send it to me. Why does inequality kill our economy? Why is Jeff Bezos and Musk and Gates and, Zuckerberg and all these people whose companies have exploded over the last few months. Why is that killing our economy? Can someone tell me? Something? Anyone? Bueller? No, I don't think anyone's got anything. It makes you feel bad. That's the actual answer. Maybe not you guys listening, but people of a lesser individualistic mindset than you guys. Let me tell you what, because you guys are the cream of the crop. All right, guys, that's all we're going to talk about today. Remember, mastermind stonks. Maybe that was just an entire conversation about how you guys should go to mastermind stonks. Quit your bitching. Sorry, mom. Quit your bitching and figure out how to get involved in some of this stuff. Okay. We are trading stocks that cost like four or $5 every single day. How many shares can you buy? How many cents is each one of those shares going to go up in the span of a few minutes? There are ways to get involved in this with very little money. And we're talking about it every single day at Master My Stonks or Master My Trades. It all goes to the same place, mastermytrades.com. Go check it out. Stop being the people that are upset that all these people made all this money and figure out how to get involved in the money making. That's what I would recommend highly. Another thing I recommend highly is that you check out. We didn't really have to do one today, but go check out the Expat Money Show. We're going to put a link to it in the show notes today. Go check out Expat Money Show. We had Mikhail throw up on the podcast last week talking about a way that you can actually live tax-free legally by becoming an expat, by not being tied down to one place, by finding a way to truly live free. I've never sp spoken to a living, breathing libertarian who lived in Libertyville legally before, I don't think, in my entire life, other than this guy. And he's got a lot of good ways you can do it. Go over to the Expat Money Show, expatmoneyshow.com. Find us on Patreon. Hang out. I didn't go live today because Charlie wasn't here. 
and it's really difficult to interact and talk back and forth with the chat and also read through news articles at the same time or talk and read the comments at the same time. So sorry, Patreon guys, my bad and girls, my bad. But anyway, go to patreon.com slash good morning liberty to get involved for as little as five bucks a month. All that money goes towards advertising to push this message out there. If you think you just heard something that you want someone else to hear, then consider going to Patreon because we ain't taking a dime of that money. It's all getting rolled back in the advertising for all of our platforms. So patreon.com slash good morning liberty. And that's all I've got. If you guys do all of those things, share the show with the best friend, someone who used to be your friend, an ex-girlfriend, and your communist uncle. We'll be right here again tomorrow doing the same thing over again. Until then, have a good day and a good morning, Liberty. <laughs>